you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. We will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for personal interest featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit, Anna. Jude, Anna, what is your favorite Keith David role? Uh, Captain Anderson. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but <laughs> I feel like I'm showing my age slightly in my answer, which is uh, Goliath from Gargoyles. Uh Every time I hear him in anything, I expect him to have giant wings and a big old tail and to be macking on a attractive New York New York police detective. <laughs> well, yeah, tonight we are uh, recording episodes three and four of season five of Person of Interest. Uh, and our, our first episode tonight, truth be told, does feature the, I would say... The king of I know that voice, um, yeah. truly a truly, truly staggering IMDb page. Um, I challenge anyone to go to Keith David's page and not find five things they've they've heard his voice in and that you loved him in, like because <laughs> yeah. he I, I, yeah I think yeah I think it's like there there is something of like a lot of voice like I think there's the thing where it's like you know voice actors do a lot of work. And there's mm-hmm. certain voice actors who I'm like, I can recognize them. And it's sort of just like, mm, okay, every time I hear Keith David, I just do that's Keith David. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. See, in my head, every time I hear Keith David, I think, oh, it's Goliath. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like he, I mean, he has three like ridiculously big nerd culture entries. He has Goliath. He's the Arbiter from Halo, which is, like, what I know him from originally. And he's Captain Anderson. And it's like, yeah. so if you're... Yeah. Um, from Mass Effect, we should probably know yeah, that. Yeah, from Mass Effect. Yeah, no, he... Uh, like, the... the I would say... Oh, can I have a hot take here? Can I have a hot take here? Do it, do it. The incorrect choice for who should be the... For who should be the ambassador to the council. Because <laughs> that man hates that job. <laughs> he truly does. I still put him in there because I want to see his face rather than Odina, but <laughs> uh, that dude was Spawn. God, <laughs> amazing! Like like a Todd like Todd McFarlane. The spawn. old the old cartoon, right? Yeah, he's amazing. The, I I mean we we've made the joke that like you know like British actors will never turn down a check. Keith David has never turned down a check. And granted, it's like. <laughs> He's been he's been going since 1979. Hold on, we're doing this. How many years has it been since 1979? 43. He averages eight rolls a year, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. Pretty good. Enough, enough about our uh, about our favorite starship captain gargoyle slash 
Alien Warrior of Justice. Tonight we're covering episodes three and four, Truth Be Told, and 6,741. Um, at special request, Anna is doing Truth Be Told. <laughs> Take us away. God damn it, Justin. <clears throat> so this one's written by Eric Mountain and directed by Steven Sergek. Uh So after <laughs> a dubious decision to multitask, meeting Iris's parents, and remember, for those of you who don't remember the name, Iris is Boner Music Lady. Um, in a pirate-themed restaurant. It's like TGI Blackbeards is what we're dealing with here. I'm like, how do you... I get that John has no, like... (laughs) This is how I know that Root doesn't actually like John as a person. (laughs) Because, like, I, I assume Harold just wants them to break up on purpose. But I feel like if like Root was a like Root was a friend, she would say this is a bad idea, right? I'm doing this to save you from yourself. Like, deal with the number, push back lunch for a half hour. Right, right. Like he's he decides to multitask with dealing with the number in like the men's you know, room. the employees only area. No, it's the well, men's room. Yes, yes. Oh God, yeah, in the men's room. Um. Well, well, his girlfriend and her parents are sitting there in this terrible, terrible, like, pirate-themed restaurant. Like, all it needs is animatronics. And then he has the goddamn gall to make a terrible joke. (laughs) It's... it's, Nope. 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 Anyway. Anyway. um. After after this dubious, dubious lunch, where apparently... the parents did warm up to him eventually. I don't believe this. I, I believe that he drugged them both. <laughs> I believe that John is incapable of gauging other people in normal, <laughs> nonviolent social situations. So whether or not they warmed up to him or not in reality, he probably thinks they did because they didn't shoot him. And by his metric, that's considered warming up. Yeah. But anyway, John heads off to deal with their next uh, their next number, Alex Duncan, a computer scientist working for a DoD contractor. Even though the machine is successfully generating numbers and they have full access to it with the open system, it is still struggling with providing you know information and context. Um, and John has to go undercover because they can't determine whether this dude is a victim or a perp who's you know. A victim or a perp. So uh, John goes undercover. Uh, things do go sideways, though, when John's old CIA bo- boss, Terrence Beale, uh, shows up and arrests Alex for stealing files from his supervisor's office. Uh, you know, classified VOD files. As one does. Yeah. C- continuing to create the question of whether this dude is a victim or a perp. So John, of course, because he's who he is he infiltrates the cia hideout and rescues alex but beale recognizes him or rather recognizes his mo he he recognizes Um, him yeah he like he recognizes him for the fact of like he saw him like he saw like he got he saw the the eyes behind the ski mask and said there's only one motherfucker dumb enough to do this also also taking off the um the, the steering, steering wheel in the call, which is, I guess, a signature John move. I, um, or, like, it's not even a signature John move. It's like Beale just recognizes his style. 
Right, exactly. So so Elk explains that he stole the files to find out what happened to his brother, who was in the military and being investigated for treason when he died. It also just so happens that John has this information. Uh, flashbacks reveal that John and Kara were the ones who investigated and killed the brother. Honestly surprised that we don't run into more relatives of people that John and Kara killed. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Um, John chooses, of course, not to share this information. Um, and they return to the office to find more files. Beale, of course, captures them and forces John to admit that he investigated Alex's brother. But John lies and states that the brother was innocent and his death was unrelated. Alex believes him and Beale just rolls with this and John escapes with him. With Alex. Um, John meets with Beale the next day and strikes a bargain. He won't reveal the details of the off-the-book investigation of the brother if Beale stays away from Alex. Beale agrees and uh, and also agrees to leave John's name out of his report. After this conversation and his musing on who he was in the CIA and who he needs to be now to defeat Samaritan, uh, John breaks up with Iris and there is much rejoicing. Can I get a hell yeah! <laughs> Um, finally, the machine sends Harold a poem about metamorphosis as Root installs Samaritan's malware on an air-gapped computer to study it. Um, Harold balks at this risk, but Root argues that they need to do whatever is necessary, uh, or they've already lost against Samaritan, and they need to, they need to be able to take risks in order to win. Can I, can I place a theory? John yeah. didn't break up because, John didn't break up because he knew the world was ending. He became aware of the horny music and he's just like, and he's like, he's like, I can't have any other music associated with me. Then I just assume that like the, the, like the guitar music for for the, like for all of his grenade launcher moments are like what he has playing in his head. It's it's the pirate music. The pirate music made him aware of it. (laughs) He heard, he heard it clash. That he he heard that the leitmotif for the boner music didn't didn't go well with the pirate music and you know this is why you've got to like you've got to figure out the correct ambiance for your character yeah it's like yeah. John Wick is never going to clubs where his music doesn't work for him <laughs> he is there to listen to to, to 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 some beats that he can murder thirty to forty generic European goods in yeah. <laughs> As a quick note, uh, to rewind to last episode, I was shocked by how low the estimated kill count is for John. It's like 70. It was like like 62 or something like that. And I was just like, I'm pretty sure we've seen John kill 62 people on this show. I think it is like, I think it is just people that we can confirm that he killed. Yeah. These are the people we asked (laughs) him to kill. Yeah. This doesn't count all the people that he killed, you know, recreationally. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I I sort of imagine that, like, Kara, Kara and John were not working, like, wall-to-wall mm-hmm. to, like, assassinate enemies of the state. And so, like, maybe there was... I'm, make, I'm thinking, like... Over, and they weren't apparently doing this very long, because we just keep getting this timeline filled in. They were doing it, like, like barely over a year. So, you know, I mean, like, even if you're doing, like, two a month, that's, like, at most, like, 30. <laughs> <laughs> and, I I mean, maybe the machine's records don't go back to, like, when he was in Kosovo. True. 
because yeah, we're like we know he was actually in the military and like you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're like, I mean, he was he was a sniper, right? Um, no, no, I don't think so. I, I mean, like, I don't. Think yeah, he, I don't think he was a sniper. I no? think he was yeah. just a. Maybe I. I guess I've gotten some wires crossed in my head on that. He one. just knows about snipers, but he does. He's just very, 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 very good at this extremely specialized skill. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which is probably where that, you know, assumption of mine came from. Um, he was an infantryman. Um, All right. Okay, we're, we're going to go on a little tangent here. When you have, like, regular people writing the military stuff, th- th- there's just, like, all these terms that have sort of just, like, merged into one, like, it, like... Special Forces, Green Beret, Navy SEAL, all that stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's at least like all of John's random ass titles are at least army specific. Yeah. Um, but like he is, when you join that level of things, you get trained in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like from going to a specialist to ideally like a project lead where you have to know how to do everything. Fair enough. I'm going to say, I think that that's a very generous view on how much many project leads know about the components of their projects. (laughs) See, I was raised by one of the good ones, so. (laughs) But, like, um, it it is very funny, but, like, I think the... I think this episode marks the biggest gun that John has brought out since the Baird in season one. Because my man just brings out an yeah. M60. Like, my, he's just carrying around, like, a light machine gun to, to raid a CI facility, <laughs> which equip for, equip, uh, that is appropriately equipped for the situation. But also, it's like... That's that's a real case of uh, dress for the job you want to have. <laughs> yes, yeah. I was about to say. I just like, oh, that's a big gun. Oh, oh, John's carrying around an actual, like, support weapon. <laughs> what a wild episode. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean it's kind of it's kind of a dud, but also yeah, it's hilarious. It's like it's it's fun. It's like, more of a season two episode than a season yeah. five episode. Yeah, and and of course you know for for our listeners, uh, Justin Justin made me do the summary for this one um, because Kara appears in flashbacks and like the instant that I saw the first flashback, I I like went feral. You know, yeah, <laughs> I think it's the, pretty much. I think is the descriptor that you were. hold on. Let me pull up the exact quote from the uh, from our chat. Uh, let's see. Watch five 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 dot three. This new intro is great. Oh my gosh, the voice, Kara, is she actually alive? Did I predict correctly? If so, I'm gonna fly to California to slap you <laughs> <laughs> verbatim from our chat, and I just. Posted in reply a, a gif of somebody just like spitting out a mimosa and cackling. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to do it. I had to do it. Yeah, I was sort of right. We did see her again. Yeah, you. I was like, I knew that we would. I was like, she wasn't going to be alive, but like, you know. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, she, yeah. I knew that she came back for one late season episode. Um, because. Uh, uh, of course, we have another another episode, another flipped SUV. <laughs> We're, it's, it's getting to be like once every second or third episode at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every every couple of episodes, we've got a flipped black suburban, yeah. and like somebody like clawing their way out through the shattered glass. So yeah, one thing like my my 
like or like last year my one of my coworkers was in an accident where that actually happened and he's oh like, my god and he was and he, doing better now but he was like yeah it was terrible and i'm like yeah no Persevere just does this every week jesus christ <laughs> <sighs> uh do we have anything more to say about this besides like iris is gone and there was much rejoicing good riddance yeah. to a bad plot thread i i have nothing against this character I I love this actress. She's she's fantastic and for all mankind. But I have never like I I don't think there's ever going to be a character that we cover that I'm just going to be like this character did not need to exist. Yeah, because uh, like you know it's not that I'm opposed to John having a relationship. I am opposed to him having a relationship with his psychologist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, unethical. I think I think if we like I would be so much more into this if we have like a discussion about like or if there was like ever a textual discussion about like, wow, John, you only you only form meaningful attachments to people who you like interact with in a professional manner. Yeah. Let's examine yeah. that, John. You know. Well, but then he'd think you were trying to be professional with him and he'd try and sleep with you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this, you know, as soon as the psychologist is like, John, okay, let's let's talk about this. John's gonna be like, no, no talking. Get on the bed. <laughs> Boner music cue. Because <sighs> like you know, I, it's not like I'm entirely opposed to like him having a relationship of some no. sort. I mean, of course, I'm a, I'm you know always going to be a John, and I, I'm always going to be a Gerald shipper. Yeah. Um, if but. we're if if I have to have like if I have to have a non Zoe heterosexual John relationship in the show, like I just want it to be like something interesting and not like, wow, this is deeply unhealthy for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, I would be completely fine with like John just having like a fun casual sex partner who he like chats with. Yeah, but he can't I mean, of do course, that. that's Zoe. We, he can't do that because of the actor. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, well, but but that's what Zoe is, though. Uh, sort yeah, of. but that's why he we we get very little actual casual sex in that relationship. Yeah. 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 It's just implied. Yeah. Vaguely. It's poker. <laughs> Perfectly ordinary poker. Uh, are we ready to move on? Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's do this. All right. Buckle um, up. Yeah, buckle up. We got not only do we have a uh we have a supersized Jude summary, we have a content warning. Yes. Uh this is episode f- episode four, season five, six thousand seven hundred and forty-one, written by Lucas O'Connor and Denise Thay, directed by Chris Fisher. Uh, and as Justin mentioned, uh, I do want to put a content warning on this one. This episode's kind of a lot. Uh, there are, this episode contains graphic depictions of, um, surgery on someone who is un unconsenting and, uh, suicide. So if you're not down to, uh, hear us talk about that happening and then discussing it, uh, maybe just skip this one. Yeah. Also, ad hoc removal of a yeah. like piece of computer equipment from yeah, somebody's just, arm. It's un yeah. 
It's 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 a lot. It's a it's very a intense episode. If you don't yeah. like that, I we're, you're not going to miss anything afterwards. We'll see you next week for um, unfortunately shot secret a more perfect union. Uh, I will disagree with you that you're not missing anything. You are fucking missing some no, shit. No, no, no. Or, or, or you're not going to miss anything non-pertinent to the episode. Has an episode of television that opens with a heartbeat on the black screen ever been a happy one? Let's find out. Hey, it's Shaw. Maybe it is a happy episode. And then some entirely too graphic medical body horror as doctors stick a chip in her brain. Literally stick the chip in her brain. You see them do it. Uh, so not happy. No. Um, next, we see her strapped to a bed and covered in electrodes and goggles. And they're clearly trying to program her. Bra- bland British lackeys chats at her, and she doesn't respond, so Samaritan says to try another chip. On the way out of the surgery, she breaks a one-way mirror and uses a smuggled shard of glass to break out of her wheelchair and break free. She busts out of the facility to discover she's on an island somewhere. Not tropical, like somewhere in New York Harbor. I don't know. It's not clear. Uh... But thankfully, there's a convenient guard boat that she can boost to get back to the mainland. Back in New York, she attempts to remove the chip from her head in the bathroom of what appears to be a CVS with tweezers and a Betty Boop lighter. Uh, But shockingly, she is unable to perform brain surgery on herself without falling over. Uh, Samine, you are better than this. I get it. Uh, You really want that chip out. But also, you know, you can't stick tweezers into your own brain. That's not, that's not going to work. Um, and yet, <laughs> and yet she tries really, really hard. Uh, coming to, she finds her hands covered in blood. Uh, and Samin decides the smart play is to phone in a call to the company's customer service line that she's going to murder the, the specific poor schmuck working the counter, hoping to trigger the machine's attention. She also attracts Samaritans, but she saved at the last second by Root, who is, to put it mildly, shocked. Uh, then Shaw has a seizure and passes out. She awakes briefly on a subway car, long enough for Root to flirt with her about their first meeting, right before going in for the chip with Reese's pocket knife. Um, <laughs> again, fucking gross. A little sexy, but mostly gross. <laughs> Finally... She wakes up again, and they're in Root's loft. If you didn't know Root had a loft, I didn't either, but it's pretty nice. Mm, We've seen Root's place before. This ain't it. And she's immediately invited to move in with Root, uh, and then greeted with great affection by Bear. Root is unreservedly excited to have Shaw back, but Reese and Harold are more cautious, to which Samin responds with blistering disdain asking Harold if he even looked for her. After uh, they leave, she brushes off Root's pass at her, but then appears to have second thoughts later that night after Root handles some Semtex. Is it the Semtex that got her all worked up? Is it just maybe (laughs) feeling a little more relaxed? Who can say? Uh, Is it the chip in her brain? Could be that too. Uh, what follows goes down for my two cents as one of the best sex scenes on TV. Uh, not that there's a whole lot of actual sex depicted. There's just 
enough chemistry to fucking set off a goddamn bomb factory. They basically like grapple around uh, Root's loft uh, and throw each other around and break every goddamn dish Root owns. Uh, like an entire crate and barrel worth of flatware gets broken <laughs> yeah. in their uh, in their session it on the table for for network television, especially like primetime network television. Surprisingly intense, and yeah. like I this is partly just the with the emotional stakes involved and the setting of the scene hotter than like ninety percent of scenes where I actually see a butt. Yeah, I think that's part of what goes into it is that it's it's emotionally intense and the actors clearly have a lot of chemistry going into it and it's not remotely vanilla. It's two women. They are both with some real top energy, like oh, grappling yeah. around trying to figure out who gets to be in charge of what. Y'all, this is why I watch wrestling. <laughs> it's a real thing. We could talk about it a lot more later. Yes. Afterwards. Uh, they are laying in Root's bed uh, naked and they talk about how Samine was tortured psychologically and she says that there was no safe place for her to hide from it. Uh, when Root falls asleep, Shaw gets up and looks at herself in the mirror. She has a weird flash and when she comes to, she's holding some of Root's Semtex and a gun and panics because she can't remember what happened. Uh, and the chip is supposedly out and she's supposed to be okay. The next morning, Root meets with Reese and Shaw follows her, overhearing them discuss her. She bursts in furious when Reese says that the chip was a placebo and makes another call to attract Samaritan's attention. They ambush the agent to arrive and Root backtracks their last call to find where Greer is. This feels a little wonky. Like, why haven't they tried this before? But okay. Root takes a round on the shoulder in the process. Uh, but seems okay. And they take Greer to a church basement. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the same one from Daredevil season three, I want to say. Yes. It is. Um, <laughs> or at least it looks very similar. Uh, Shaw digs a USB drive out of Greer's arm, much to Harold and anyone who doesn't like seeing a knife, like dig around and meet uh, Harold's horror. <laughs> and Harold analyzes the USB to discover it's a kill switch, or it looks like it might be one. When he tries to remove it, Shaw has a weird another episode concerning everyone. Uh, Harold and Root leave to do more research. While they're gone, Reese leaves Shaw with Greer to go take care of some people upstairs. Greer gloats that they broke her months ago, and this whole plan is hers. She has another flash and shoots him. She tells Reese that the USB was a trap, and on the way to the subway station to stop Harold from plugging it in, Reese gets suspicious. Shaw flashes again and kills him. She tells Harold and Root over comms it was Samaritan agents, and Root comes to get her. Shaw, however, doesn't let Root take her to the uh, to the subway station and instead takes her to a playground. Rather than uh, giving up the machine, she confesses to killing Reese and then tells Root that Root was her safe place during the torture and then kills herself. And then she wakes up. Back in the bed in the facility, still under the, the electrodes and the goggles, Greer orders the simulation restarted, revealing that she has been through this scenario and killed herself rather than reveal the machine 6,741 times. Dang. This episode is a fucking 
ride. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And like it was it was wild because like all of my all of my like comments on it well well it was going on like often i just kind of transcribe those and put them into the like prep document and here i was like okay so none of those work now well, yeah. the, oh god oh my god oh god <laughs> that that wasn't useful to you <laughs> well i mean i mean i did have some things that were like potentially useful but with the like in the wake of the reveal when you realize that like none of this was real yeah yeah uh, I really, really want to rewatch this one now and like with the knowledge that it's a simulation and try to pick up on all the stuff that's wonky because they're like, like you said, there's a lot of stuff that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, Ruth suddenly having a pente- like a very swanky apartment. And yeah. Right. Like, and, 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 and like the first time I watched it, I thought it was the safe house from like season yeah, three. That was me too. Yeah. Um, let's start with the fun stuff in this episode, though, namely the gay <laughs> stuff. I think it's absolutely hilarious that Root has Shaw back like, I don't know, 40 minutes tops, and she's already trying to U-Haul Samin into her apartment. <laughs> of course. I, I thought that was amazing. And it's it's both like hilarious and amazing, and it's like... Everything, everything is this episode is so interesting when you think about it filtered through like, you know, mm-hmm. what of it is Samaritan and Shaw or like Samaritan and or Shaw like reconstructing these people like based off of their what yeah. they know of them. Yeah. And like that Samaritan slash Shaw would be like, yes, and- Root would immediately be like time to u-haul and the sim- yeah. and, and and it influencing people to try to make her like to try and manipulate her yeah, yeah. like yeah because like, i assume that across the previous 6740 it is determined that one of the best manipulative tactics is to is to say is to have root try to get Shaw to bed as quick as possible which yeah, interesting tactic. Okay, sure. I also made a list of all the pet names that Root calls Shaw in this episode. Uh, I may have missed a couple at the beginning because I didn't start right away. But uh, she calls her sweetheart, baby, and sweetie, which I think is amazing that these are the things Shaw subconsciously wants Root to be calling her. Yes. <laughs> I mean... This is, I mean, I feel like we've progressed as a society in the last eight years because, I mean, those would not be what Root wants Sean or what Sean wants Root no, to call her. No, there are way better things. I just think it's funny that that's, and maybe that's the that's Samaritan's complete lack of uh, originality. Samaritan does yeah. not recruit lesbians. Uh, yeah, I I'm on board with that. Are you sure with Martine though? I feel like I mm. because she she has like. She has some energy to her. Yeah. Especially, especially like some of those fight scenes with Root were like kind of like homoerotically intense. Yeah. There was, I mean, there's just a general sort of inherent homoeroticism with wanting to murder someone. <laughs> as long as there's a person, you know, of the same gender, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's the good part of this episode. The two of them, uh, are just so good in this episode. And I remember loving this episode, but being so mad that it was a simulation 
and that they had not in fact actually like gotten back together gotten together like yeah. reunited and had that moment this is the this is a chapter in a fanfic that would have so many like like the amount of exclamation points in the comments there would yeah. be measured in Googles. so many notes so many notes oh god it's a hurt comfort fic yeah <laughs> oh oh wait till we get to the back half of the season <laughs> <laughs> so that's there's that um the less fun stuff in this episode shaw looks rough yeah uh, kudos to the makeup work. team and the costuming team on this episode because she always looks sweaty and pale and her eyes look bruised and red like mm-hmm. you never forget that she has just had uh, somewhere between one and three impromptu brain surgeries uh, in this in in the last seventy two hours in this episode, and yeah. she's showing it. And like little things, like they make her lips like very pale. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like the, the the like the looks for this are all like really well executed. You, it's one of the things of like this is such a well executed episode from like every aspect of it. So it's like yeah. you're always like you're always feeling like that. You're you're never yeah. allowed to forget what's going on. It's I think that's part of why even though there's a lot of red flags in the episode, it's not until Reese goes down that you really start like that that you at least for me, that's the point at which I was like, oh, okay. So there's something weird going on here. Cause they're obviously not gonna kill Reese in episode four. Yeah. But God, that would be a, such a baller move. Right. See, see, meanwhile, like I was looking at that and being like, Reese has survived got getting shot to that degree how many times? Like, even if this isn't a simulation, he'll be fine. <laughs> like he just he just like survived getting shot and then like nearly dying of hypothermia. Like, uh, he's probably fine. Do you know what I remember? As the the thing that clued me in the first time I watched this, what when they attack the like I, I remember putting I put this in my notes like I remember the first time I watched it, the thing that the thing that like clicked for me is that nobody was getting kneecapped when they uh, stormed the Samaritan room <laughs> <laughs> like they were they like these were center mass shots and I'm like oh hmm interesting. Because, like, anytime they show somebody getting shot on this show, it's, like, legs or limbs. And then we're like, oh, no, these are center mass. Yeah. Um, I also remember thinking that the Greer interrogation felt off. Mm -hmm. Um, And on this rewatch, it does. It feels very, I don't know, it just feels off. And I think that's intentional. Like, it feels rushed and it feels a little rushed, a little staged. And then his whole thing, like, you know, you're our agent. Like, they did a really good job of making it feel like a scenario. Like, yeah, you know, meanwhile, I was here, you know, watching it for the first time, like completely engrossed. And it wasn't until they like came to the like showing Shaw in the bed at the end where I was like, holy, holy shit. It it was a simulation. What the fuck? (laughs) I did not cotton onto that at all. I love the shot at the end where she has killed herself, which oof. uh, And she sees her reflection with the goggles on in the, the, the spinny thingy. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like it was like that point where I was like, oh, oh, oh. And that was the point at which it was like, and it's just such a great shot where she's there's this moment where she's like seeing out of the simulation and seeing where seeing herself Mm -hmm. as she is, and it's like, fuck. Yeah. Up until up until that point, like even when Shaw killed herself, like in the simulation, I was like, okay, well, I guess we don't actually get Shaw back, and this wraps up Shaw. Okay, um, because like you know, this show is still from the era of TV, which is you know, honestly, now is still the era of TV where like lesbians cannot survive after they've had sex. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one of them has to die. So, you know, I was and like, and Root got shot, and I was like, oh, well, it's Root who's dead. And then it's like, oh, I guess it's Shaw who's dead. Because, like, that that's definitely, that's definitely like a trope of TV. And I was just like going into this expecting it. Something that I do really appreciate for this episode of like what it's trying to, what it's doing is that we have not seen Shaw for. Uh, let's let's get a number. We've had like 15 episodes without Shaw. And so it decides to, you're going to get all the Shaw and all the feelings. Yeah. Which I think is really, it's it's a really good tool and for like reintroducing her and getting people back of like, okay, here is what we are doing now in the X month since the stock yeah. exchange. Yeah. I think the scene that really hits hard for me is the scene, the post-coital scene contrasted with the scene in the playground. Mm-hmm. And we have the agent talking to Shaw, telling, t- giving us context for what the playground means to her. It's a place where she feels vulnerable and her solution to feeling vulnerable there, she just like exposes herself to it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And what is she doing? They're, they're you know... It's a, uh, uh, they're trying to say something about her character that she's willing to just suffer to just to beat something. Yeah. But she, when she finally talks to Root in the playground and she says, you were my safe place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's Shaw talking. Yeah. It's so intense for Shaw. It's just so good. Even if you don't ship the hell out of these two and why wouldn't you? Uh, you have to respect how just how much Shaw has been through and how, how earned that moment is. Yeah. Like it's, it's such a good performance. And like, I'm Sarah Shaw. He is there is here to remind you why she is, was the best addition to the show after uh root. Yeah. Like I, it's, it's fantastic. Even like little things in the episode where like, uh, Shaw and a taxi driver are speaking in Farsi. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I was, uh, it's um, like, like, and, and how, and like the writing for it, like where she says, she says something like, I'm, I'm bringing bad news or like, I'm bringing bad news and I don't want it to hit them yet. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And that's why she's, you know, in headed to that CVS to try to do brain surgery with a pair of, tweezers and a lighter um because you know she she knows that she's being tracked and she can't return to them until the chip's gone yeah i think uh, i remember like it and i do find it interesting of like shaw knows the shaw knows the subway car but refuses to go back there 
Yeah. Yeah. She is, there's a part of her that knows what's going on. It may not be the conscious part of her, but there's a part of her that knows what's going on and is refusing to give that information up. Yeah. I absolutely need to rewatch this one though with like the lens of it's a simulation and just like, because I think it'll be really interesting to see, see the differences between the actual characters and the characters that Samaritan makes. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, it's, it's, it's one that I'd probably recommend giving some time to breathe, but like, yeah, definitely go <laughs> yeah. back for it. Cause it's interesting. It's such a phenomenal episode. This isn't one that sticks with you. I, I, I remember this episode very, very well going into it. Oh, yeah, I was like, we were assigning these out, and I'm like, Jude, if you want this, yes, go ahead. Like, it's yours. If you don't want to do it, I will absolutely do some, take it over. Because it's, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, no, I... Because you'd already given me the bit episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I, I, I sign, I, when possible, I assign out the, I, I sign out the episodes to do the most emotional damage or to have the best bits possible. That's that's how we operate around here. Yeah. Yep. It's gonna get even better with with the S nine of like it like it is we're like by mid season one I'm gonna know what everybody's like specific episodes they like are. We're like okay I'm I'm taking the gearish here you know. <laughs> I just get everything Dax. Yeah. Gosh. What does uh, that leave me with? <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get the quark. You're quark. gonna get <laughs> honestly. <All right>. I, <laughs> uh, they're not as they're not they're n- there's not as many as I'd like, but I think well you might end up with the Jordan religion. You get the you can get the like Daddy Cisco ones. Oh gosh, yeah, um, I'm into that for all definitions of Daddy Cisco. <laughs> gosh, yeah. Um, okay, so apparently it was nine months that Shaw has been missing, which well, funny, but <laughs> um, yeah, which <laughs> like yeah. But, cute but uh, apparently if you divide that up it's nearly 25 simulations a day that's intense dang which i assume that you've like i i would think maybe did they did they get that chip in that earlier i don't know that's there may not even be a chip in there yeah Yeah. the the chip implantation was part of the simulation because if you remember the uh the simulation when it restarts it starts with her in the or yeah yeah um, I do, I do, like, I know it's a simulation, but I still, like, was, like, rested piss career. Uh, yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> like, seeing him just fucking blasted is, yeah. oh. And it's, like, and it's, like, not even on camera. You just see his, like, wilted corpse. Yeah. With a bullet hole in the head. And that's one yeah. of the things I wanted to talk about in this episode was... One of the things I think that is really distinctive about this episode compared to like the whole show practically is how graphic it is. Yeah. This is a, I'm wondering how hard it was to get this episode like approved because it, because for what you would normally see during like a, a primetime TV, this is a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Brain surgery multiple times. It's got digging out the USB from Greer's arm. Yes. Rear gets face hold and the bullet hole is very visible right there. Uh and then it's got lesbian sex. Like I know 2000 whatever wasn't that long ago, but I mean this was on network TV at like 8 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. Like it's different rules. This was a different time, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Although, you know, as, as noted, the, the sex scene is like, it's like very graphic in all of our imaginations, but it's not particularly graphic like on the No, on yeah, the but it's also not very vanilla. I think yeah. that's yeah. what shocks me more than the, like, there's no, sure, there's no nipples, but also, like I said, <laughs> these no are two. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what, I mean, that's, that's what really sets off the traditional sensors, but also these are two aggressive. Yeah. It's, it's the, you know, it's a catharsis. It is about like letting all of these emotions boil over. And so something as, you know, we're smashing dishware is, you know, at times, you know, it's, it could be something you would associate with like violence or, like especially abuse but at this time mm-hmm. it is an outlet for two people who are incredibly insanely horny for each other yeah that scene yeah. i remember uh being on tumblr when this episode aired and the next day my wall on tumblr my feed on tumblr was just nothing but the gif of samine blasting the buttons off of root's shirt that one clip was like all that was on my on Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no, I mean it's 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 an intense episode, I mean, and I love it so much. Thinking back, I think I may have seen gift sets of this just like cross cross oh, my Tumblr at some not? point. Yeah, like it was everywhere. That especially that one clip of Samin like throwing Root onto the table and just like the buttons go flying as she rips Root's <laughs> shirt off. That thing was everywhere for a while. Um, I, this is one of the, um, like in the, in the, like, Nolan, like, with, like, Jonathan, uh, Nolan was asked about, like, what they're, like, uh, they, they had to, they picked their favorite episodes for, uh, with the show went over to Netflix and they, and this was the last, this was the last one they picked. Which nice. Rightfully. Yeah. I like, I think. Yeah. It's what, yeah. like the two the two big Shaw centric episodes between relevance and this one are just so good. Yeah, yeah, this one's incredibly intense. Yep. Um, I also want to talk briefly about like compare and contrast this one with the other simulation episode we've seen at least thus far, um, because you know we we also had if then else mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. largely a simulation, you know, or various simulations. Yeah. You know, reflecting back on this one and realizing like how many of the characters were like somewhat off versus if then else where because the Samaritan doesn't actually know them mm. versus in if then else Samaritan or the machine has like it knows everybody so well that it can condense condense down to the like simplified simulation and we're there watching it being like that is exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Samaritans relying on Shaw's impressions, and that's probably about it. It it probably doesn't and whatever have much whatever intel it's dug yeah. up. Yeah, which which yeah, it's like and it explains how six that you know over nearly seven thousand simulations haven't gotten her to crack. Yeah, because she can sense there's something wrong there. <laughs> any last any final closing thoughts on this episode? Um, it's a. I, it's a great one. I think like it, yeah. it, it is, it's not a comfort watch, but it's definitely one of my favorites of the series. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it. And this is, you know, with these with these first four, it's a very strong start to the season. I know that we're kind of headed into some doldrums, but like, you know, these these four, like, truth be told, is like a little bit eh, but like it's also it's a fun it's a fine episode. Yeah. It's you know, it's fun. You know, it ties up some like not not quite ties up. I mean, it does tie up a loose end, and we are all very grateful. And it's a great episode, if only because the boner music is gone. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, Agreed. So, next time we are going to be covering episodes five and six of season five of Person of Interest. That is going to be Shot Seeker. Oh, hey, uh, a, a an episode where we get to talk about a disproven technology and <laughs> a more perfect union. Until next time, we are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share alike no derivatives license. One, two, three, clap. <laughs> All right. That was a good one. That set off my tinnitus. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof, buddy. Oh. My body's so stupid. <laughs> Why would that... You just uh, have to laugh. That's so dumb. Oh, boy. Uh, Aaron, you can get this one for an outtake or whatever. Just put this at the end of the episode. But I started, um, like, I started taking, like, drops for, like, my ears. And all I can think of every time, like, in the the Hamlet episode of The Simpsons, where it's like, ear poison. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Aaron, you get that one for free.